I was a therapist and I dated a client and I lost my whole career, job and everything. And he threatened to sue me and the treatment center that I worked at. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Morgan. Now, Morgan, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? I was a therapist and I dated a client and I lost my whole career, job and everything. And he threatened to sue me and the treatment center that I worked at. Ooh. I lost my job. I got fired. I, I lost my therapist career, can no longer be a therapist. Wow. Okay. Let's go back. So this was a couple years ago. Yeah. This was like five, six years ago. Okay. So what happened? Like, did you start working with him at the rehab? Like, take us back. What was that moment before you started dating? And why did you start dating your your patient? So I am a sex and love addict and I've struggled with it for years, like my whole life, I guess. Mm-hmm. And welcome was, to the club. Definitely... Welcome to the <laughs> club. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I was I was a therapist in a treatment center, drug and alcohol treatment center. And he was the first patient that I was assigned. And when I met him, I didn't think that, you know, that he was like anything special. But Mm -hmm. over time, I sort of developed a little secret crush on him. And um, I like younger guys. He was a younger guy. And um, then he started telling other patients that like he had a crush on me. And that really triggered the sex and love addiction. We had sessions and everything like normal and nothing inappropriate. But he had my email address for work mm-hmm. and uh, my work email address. And I had to like take care of something for him, like administratively. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't able to e- email me. So like one day he asked me for my personal email and I shouldn't have given it to him, but I gave it to him. Then we were emailing and he asked me for my phone number, mm-hmm. which again, we're not allowed to do. And I shouldn't have given it to him. And I did. And what was that little voice in your head that gave it to him? No one has to know. I can I can keep this a secret. He won't tell anyone. All of that. Yeah. He said something like, "Like take me take me to a meeting." It was it was um, a holiday, so he was just kind of sitting around the the rehab and or the sober living, and he was like, "Take me to a meeting," and I was like, "Hmm, that can't be too bad." Yeah, because you're like, it's an act of service here. I'm right, going like, to yeah. help him get better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so did you take him to that meeting? No, but I did pick him up from the treatment center. Okay, and, wait, and I cut you off. Oh, I have to say, um, 
really hard working in treatment as opposed to working in a sort of counseling center because mm-hmm. the boundaries and the sort of therapeutic frame is is not there as much because you're you're seeing this person probably only for 30 days you're mm-hmm. not really building a long-term you know rapport with them they don't really want to be there in therapy mm-hmm. plus you're you're asked to take them to meetings um AA meetings and go to meetings with them mm-hmm. and you'll run into them at meetings so and that doesn't normally happen with the client in any other situ- therapeutic situation yeah so sort of like fuzzy boundaries and they're almost like in in a weird way like your peers especially if like you're in AA yeah which i am so they they become kind of like your your peers as opposed to like i'm the therapist you're the client like i was just where you were not too long ago so it's kind of a fuzzy situation and it was harder to hold boundaries than it ever was when i worked in a um like a counseling center Here's my question. Even did uh-huh. you even become friends with some of your patients when you probably shouldn't have? Like, even if it's the same sex, you know, like was it were you crossing boundaries in a bunch of different places or not holding boundaries? Um, I became friends with people after, I would say. Okay. Um, after like I lost my career, but um at the time, no, no, I didn't like I was friendly. I was a and a very approachable therapist, and everybody kind of said that I was easy to talk to and more like a friend, but I didn't like, you know, hang out with people or, you know, anything like that. It was him. Yeah. So it was just him. He was like doomsday. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. He was was kryptonite. He was kryptonite. So everything. Yeah. He was going to go to a meeting with you and then take us from there. So I picked him up and, and, um, we just decided to go to my apartment. And we were at a red light and he just leaned over and kissed me. No. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is so dangerous and bad. And like I knew I was crossing a huge line and that it could cost me everything. And the sex and love addict in me mm-hmm. was like, well, it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it, which it wasn't worth it. So you went back to the apartment. Yep. Yep. Hung out like talked, you know, and he said like everything that I wanted to hear and sort of compared to my last boyfriend who I wasn't really attracted to, but was a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he just was like promising all these things and saying everything that I wanted to hear. And I felt so, so important. And so um, it's sort of like a power trip sort of at a high mm-hmm. because I was the therapist and everybody kind of all the guys there like had a crush on me and they I mean, they were granted they were trapped in rehab and they were young guys and, you know, had nothing else to think about, but they were, they were like some attractive guys and they, they sort of had this hot for teacher sort of mentality. Like I was sort of in a position of authority and I was younger than some of the other therapists and they all, it was very, it was a lot of temptation. Yeah. And listen, for addict, and love addict. yeah. And addicts are attractive, you know, like, so I get it. I get it. No, like you're in this position of power and then this person is seeing you and it makes you feel like role reversal a little bit where that's enticing, right? Yeah, totally. It was, I felt like this, you know, like I was a teacher and all the guys had a crush on me and it was like, that's very, very hard to navigate as a sex and love addict. Did you feel also that that power dynamic was enticing to you that you had the power position? Definitely. But at the end of the day, like in reality, I did not have the power position because he wasn't, nothing was expected of him. 
he could, you know, he was an addict. He could mess up. He could do whatever I was as a therapist. I cannot be so human. I can't make mistakes like that. Oh yeah. You know, I have to hold boundaries. Like I can't be sexual and appropriate in any way. So I, yeah, it was, he was actually the one with the power. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Obviously because you lost your job. Yeah. So how long did it go on for? How scandalous did it get? Like, can you take us there or no? Yeah, absolutely. So we would have sessions, but you know, he would, we would flirt and like kiss and stuff like that in my office. And it was very risky. Like anybody could have walked in. Um, He came over basically to my apartment every day after, after treatment Mm -hmm. and hung out there and like told his sober living that he was um, I forget what, what he's, what excuse he gave, but he was with me like almost every day for about three months. We spent, you know, the holidays together, um, you know, Christmas, New Year's. He had met my family. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He met my family, my, my, uh, nephew, like my sister, my mom, everybody. Did they and know he was in the facility? What did you tell no. your family? Did was it like a secret everywhere? Like it was everything a secret was everywhere. A secret. Oh, that's yeah. Enticing. I did not. <laughs> I know, and I never lie to my sister. Like we're the closest people, and she. Uh, I never lie to her, but I knew that she would obviously not approve and tell me to stop. So I said that I met him in AA. I did not say he was a client and he was in the treatment center. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I, I lied to everybody that was in my life. Wow. It was and just that was like a, a very sea of yeah. lies. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yep. So three months, um, our relationship started to get rocky and toxic and, um, I became jealous. He became sort of like distant at a certain point. He did that like push pull thing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it became very dramatic and, um, you know, I, I got jealous and what'd you get jealous about? Um, like I saw that he was still friends with his ex and on, um, Instagram and he would mention his ex and I, he would say things that were, you know, dumb and I would freak out, I would get really upset. It started to get toxic. And he, he would say that he was not allowed to go out because of his rehab, but I think he was just kind of saying that. So we went from seeing each other every day to seeing each other for, you know, not seeing each other for two weeks which mm. drove me crazy. Um, you know, the addict, the anxious attached addict in me was like going crazy. And then eventually we, we broke up because I had a sober anniversary. That was a pretty big deal. And I, he, he just wasn't showing up for me. And I told myself, like, if we, if he doesn't show up for me on this very important day, I'm break up with him. And so I did. And he kind of like gave me the, well, like, you came on really strong and I wasn't ready for this and I'm new and all this stuff that was like gaslighting. And it was the opposite of like what happened. Cause he was the sort of the pursuer. Yeah. And then he was pulling back, which, you know, avoidance do often. And, um, so we'd broken up and then, you know, I was really sad. And at that, at that by this point he was out of the treatment center. So he wasn't there where I was working. So, you know, there was that, I didn't have to like see him every day. Um, and then, and then like the last thing that we talked about was, you know, um, maybe like I'll work on stuff. Cause he actually knew that I was a sex and love addict and may have used that. And, uh, you think, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but addicts are so manipulative. I'm sure he, 
read that quality in you. And like we read people and we give people what they want to hear. And he became your drug. He did become my drug. Absolutely. Yeah. I kept saying to him, like, if I find out, if anybody finds out, you know, and I lose my job, it'll be worth it because we're in love. And he would say, oh my God, if you found out, if people found out and you got fired, I'd be devastated. And so we break up and he says, you know, like, who knows, like, what the future holds. I'm going to work on myself, do my steps and this and that. And then, you know, we'll probably get back together. And then oh, the no. next thing I knew, yeah. He kept the that next thing I know. carrot dangling. Okay. Tell me, of I'm course. like dreading what yeah. you're about to say. Go ahead. <laughs> I know. I know. The next thing I know, my boss comes into my office one day mm-hmm. and she says, I got a letter saying that he's going to sue the treatment center <gasps> and you for you having a relationship with him. So devastated and shocked that yeah. I couldn't keep the lie anymore. I couldn't keep the secret. I couldn't, um, keep up like the facade of like, or deny anything. I just broke down. Like I've never broken down and started crying and confessed everything. And there were three of my bosses there and HR. And I told them everything and I was crying. I was so devastated. I was apologizing. I felt the lowest I've ever felt. I just felt like blindsided because he was saying that we were going to end up together and this just never, he, he would always say, you know, like I would never rat you out. I would never get you in trouble. And if anybody, I didn't tell anyone. And if, um, you got fired, I would be devastated. He kept saying devastated. So this was like just a, you know, punch in the gut. Yeah. Slap in the face. Like, because there was no communication from him saying, we're going to work on each other. We'll probably get back together. And then it wasn't like, some big fight. And then he went like, it was out of left field. Totally out of left field. Totally. Mm. And, and, you know, bottom line, he didn't end up suing me. I don't know if he ended up suing the treatment center because if he did and they settled, it probably would be, you know, sealed. Yeah. I don't actually know, but he didn't sue me for some reason, even though I, you know, had had something to get at the time, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, they obviously said we reported you to the BBS, which is the governing body of therapists. And, you know, obviously you're fired. And, you know, I left in tears that day. And it was just like the most, I was the lowest I've been saddest and most heartbroken I've ever been in my life. And that yeah. was a really dark time. Can, can you just tell me as, cause people are listening and I don't know, but how long did it take you to get that career going? How many years of school? Because this is like, being a therapist is like, you'd go through a lot of schooling. So can you just give me an idea? Cause I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I did school two years of grad school mm-hmm. and, and then I had to do internship. And you have to do 3,000 hours of, of therapy to, to get, and then take a licensing exam. It's a long road and it's, yeah. you, you kind of have to like make very little at the time um, until you're licensed. And then even then it's not guaranteed. You have to kind of build up your own practice and it's, it's not an easy road. And that was just all gone. That is what this addiction does to you. Literally, 100%. it it just yeah. takes away everything you work for, relationships you build, morals, your values, and you just yeah. do these things that you never thought you would ever do. Absolutely. I thought I was smarter than that. Yeah. 
or you thought, and then here's the thing, the addiction is like, they're my soulmate. We're in love. It's meant to be. Yeah. We're like Romeo yeah. and Juliet. And it's like, yep. I am wondering now why you're telling me, do you think he planned this the whole time looking back? I know he did actually, because <gasps> what? yeah, yeah. Okay. I found out <laughs> after, after we broke up mm-hmm. a lot and uh, I got fired, a lot of the clients would come to me and message me because they felt really bad um, that I got fired. They really liked me. They were sort of like, they all hated him. They all, everybody would say, you know, he's a scumbag. He's this and that. And I should have obviously listened, but nobody like liked him. He was very narcissistic. He was a sociopath. um, It turned out. Mm -hmm. um, They all told me that they all knew relationship. He had told them he'd bragged about it. He told all of them. He, he he was like, I'm going to get her. And then, and then when he did, he was, you know, bragging to everyone. So obviously that was, that was the lie that he wasn't going to tell anyone. And then he bragged about suing the rehab. Like he, Oh, I'm going to get all this money. Cause of, haha, I did this. And in hindsight, I remember that he kind of also flirted with um, another sort of he had a therapist, which was me. And he had a social worker, which was somebody else. Mm-hmm. And he had flirted with her. So I kind of feel like maybe he started trying with her and then stuck with me. So he just wanted someone to be able to sue on behalf of like, he wanted someone to cross the line so that he could sue. Yeah. And he said he had told me that he owned a company or like half co-owned a company and that he was going to get bought out and he was going to be rich soon. And he was going to spoil me and this and that, and we were going to travel the world. Turns out I talked to his business partner. He did not own that. He was an employee for $12 an hour. (gasps) Yeah. The apartment that he told me he had, it wasn't his. He was squatting. He showed me pictures. It was his friend's apartment that he was sleeping on the couch. The car that he told me he had, it didn't have it. Everything that he told me about himself slowly turned out to be a lie. I realized it was a lie. Yeah. So you totally got lied to. What is it? That tender liar guy where everything is just... Everything is so false that a part of you is like, how did I not see it? Did you go through that process? Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm so dumb. Like everybody told me that he was a, you know, a scumbag and this and that. And, uh, you know, just a bad person. Nobody liked him. So why? You know, I should have that should have been a huge red flag. And I saw red flags. And, you know, can you name some of the red flags? So other people, if they're listening, they could be like, oh, my God, wait, my partner does that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Yeah, yeah, sure. I would say overconfident and cocky. And he would always just tell me, oh no, that's confidence. I'm just confident, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't confidence. It was, it was narcissism. And I saw that early on. And, you know, I saw that the the way that he treated his ex and, you know, he would like spread things about her and like treat her really badly and um, just do horrible revenge sort of things to, to her. And that, you know, that didn't give me enough pause um, he, what else? Cause did you think, oh, but he'll never do that to me. Of course. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't even think about, I like, of course I wanted him to not be nice to his ex. Cause I didn't want them to, you know, talk. Yeah. So at the time I wasn't like threatened by it or bothered by it, but I should have been. And the biggest thing was that he was such an expert liar. Like he would lie to his treatment center or sober living when he was at my house, he would go so far as to like Photoshop um, plane tickets 
showing <gasps> that he went back home for the weekend um, so that he could, you know, be excused, but he was really at my place, but he would Photoshop fake plane tickets to show them. And, uh, you know, be like, Oh, I'm traveling home for the weekend. That's why I'm not there. And, you know, he would show me how he would do that. And then he had this whole elaborate thing about his phone. So I could only message him on Facebook. I couldn't, I could never text him because his phone bill wasn't paid because they messed up and he would be on the phone with his fake landlord and his fake, you know, phone company trying to straighten out all these like mistakes. And it was a very elaborate ruse looking back. Like he, he really sold it. And, you know, I'd be like, why would he be on the phone with this landlord about his rent? If, you know, just, just to like lie, but that it was all a, a ruse and act. None of it was real. Like, I still don't really know what was going on with his phone, but it didn't work. I couldn't text him. Like, I, I don't know. There's stuff oh I will God. never know. Yeah. yeah. There's stuff I will never know, but. I, I literally never talked to him after that. I, I just, you know, a part of me wanted to be like, uh, why did you do that? Yeah, you got completely blindsided. But here's the thing. It's like, we always have to look at ourselves. Here's this person yeah. that's like broken, yeah. scared, manipulative, yeah. self-involved, yes. selfish, love bombing, mm-hmm. gaslighting, narcissist, whatever, sociopath, completely all those <laughs> things. But it's like, yeah. we play a part. And I love Absolutely. that you wanted to come on and say like, here's what happened to me, but I also played a part. Your addiction played yes. a part. Absolutely. It took me to doing one of the worst things I could possibly do. And you know, I lost everything because of it. I was, you know, super depressed for, and mad at myself for years mm-hmm. and angry too, angry at the whole situation. Like I could have, I could have kept a boundary. Any normal person could keep that boundary, but my sex and love addiction caused me to, to cross that boundary that I knew was wrong. And I was the, I became a liar. So of course I attracted a liar, yeah. you know, I was sneaking around and, and lying to everyone. So looking back, you know, I bad as him. Like I didn't seek out to hurt him. Um, but I was a liar and I lied to everybody and I, you know, did the wrong thing. I did the worst thing I could do as a therapist. Yeah. And you know, it was, I had to eventually forgive myself for that and move on with my life, but it was really not easy. Well, I have to say, you know, to start over and to admit wrong that you did, because you could have lied and it would have spiraled out, but you really came clean. You said, you know, you took your medicine or what, when we do wrong, we have to promptly Mm -hmm. admitted it. And that is what you did. And here's the other beautiful thing that I'm shocked right now that you've never talked to him because in my heart, in my sex and love (laughs) addict brain, I'm like, I'm going to call him. I'm going to (laughs) destroy his life. I'm going to confront him. I'm going to torture him. You know, like that's my (laughs) addict, but how beautiful that you went through the process of that withdrawal and didn't reach out to him that that to me I gotta just like a round of applause for you (laughs) because I know so many people that didn't take that path well I have to tell you that is a testament to sex and love addicts anonymous because I'd been going off and on for a decade maybe and I you know I I did get some recovery I had I had worked the steps I you know I hadn't been going for a while at that time. So that's why I was susceptible. But I think that's a testament to SLAA because Mm -hmm. 
I definitely would have, you know, and I had the thoughts of like, how can I take him down and this Mm -hmm. and that, and obviously thoughts of revenge and thoughts of calling him and yelling at him and being like, what the, what the fuck? Why Why did you do that? I thought you loved me. (gasps) Yeah, exactly. But I didn't, you know, because at the end of the day, I realized that he's not well, he's a miserable person. He was causing his own karma and revenge. He yeah. got revenge on himself the way that he was living because he his actions kept getting worse. And I don't know, like, here's the funny thing. About three years later, mm-hmm. he did try to contact me. <gasps> he did? He did. He had messaged me on Instagram. I freaked out. I ignored it. I told, you know, my sponsor and this and that. Mm-hmm. I didn't answer. And then he emailed me. All he said was, hey, can you talk? I, I still don't know what he wanted to talk about. I don't know if he was doing his steps and wanted to make amends. I literally have no idea, but I didn't answer because nothing good could have come. And that that's also a testament to Slaw, the fact that I didn't answer. I, like I was curious, of course. Of course, I wanted, you know, closure and an apology and yeah. you know answers. And I had a million questions. Did you ever really love me? Was this all a setup from the start? You know, um, why did you do this? Did you plan this from the beginning? Did you know, did you even like me? Like all this stuff that had to do with my ego and my self-esteem and my feelings. And, um, I just have to live without those answers. And, you know, I, I didn't talk to him. I didn't, you know, I even told my boyfriend at the time who I was dating and, you know, it, it affected that relationship because not the fact that he reached out, but the fact that I couldn't trust again. And, you know, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The trust was broken. You couldn't right. like, take After anybody that, the for their word, had, right? Thinking, are you using me for something? Are you like trying to manipulate something? Are you trying to like live with me for free? I just, I just kept, you know, accuse him of trying to put, pull one over on me all the time and lying mm. about everything. And, you know, I just really thought he was lying about everything. And then I just kept catching him in, in the truth my, my boyfriend at the time and just thought like, you know, okay, he's mm-hmm. actually, I have to like, it takes a minute, but I have to trust other people because not everybody's like this. Not everybody says everything as a lie, not the, you know, so I have to, it, it was hard to yeah. trust people again. It still is, you know, when you see like what people can be capable of, it's hard to, to trust again. Yeah. Well, you're starting to, right? It takes time. And is that where you are right now in your recovery is trusting again, trusting yourself again? Hopefully paying attention to these red flags and trusting my instinct. And because I did obviously have an instinct about this guy. And, um, you know, I have to like listen to that and not, not let my emotions take over. I have to like really be discerning and pay attention to the red flags because they're always there early Mm -hmm. on you know, when someone's a narcissist, absolutely. Yeah. You see them right away. You you just ignore them. Totally ignore them. Yep. (laughs) And now I'm definitely working a slot program again, probably better than ever because Mm -hmm. I'm really willing to, you know, do the work and I'm on step eight now. And I, you know, I'm willing to block people that I didn't want to block and, um, have really no contact. And it's actually, really happy right now. Like for the first time, I don't have anybody that I'm, you know, interested in or intriguing with, or like on the side or on the back burner. Like I just, they're all gone. They're all blocked. 
Good job. Well, I'm so proud yeah. of you. Is If anybody's listening right now and they're in a position where they could cross that line and work or even an appropriate relationship, what would be your advice for them? Um, think about it first. Think, you know, pay attention to the red flags. Think about the consequences. You know, think with your head, not your heart, because I was thinking with my heart and mm-hmm. I was so desperate to be loved and in love that I didn't think my head and I didn't consider the, I mean, I thought I considered the consequences, but I was accepting of them, which was not okay. I did not put myself first. I did not put my life, everything that I'd worked for my recovery, you know, even in AA, like I could have relapsed over that. Thank God I didn't. Yes. Thank God. Yeah. I would say, think about the consequences and um, make sure you're taking care of yourself first and foremost. And, you know, don't lose or risk everything you work for because you don't know people until you know them. Yeah. And you just never know. And I would also say if there are consequences, they're probably going to happen. Like, so imagine it them happening because most likely they'll happen. Something will go down because that's what happens. The truth always comes out. You can't deny and lie forever. And if you do, you're it's going to be really hard to live with yourself. It was hard to live with myself. Well, I'm so glad you're on the other side. I'm so glad you came on. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, sharing your story with me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.